in Bundaberg today. It is a beautiful sunny morning and I welcome you to the service of worship on this most special day for us as Christians, a day where we rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's an age-old tradition where Christians on Easter morning greet each other with the words, Christ is risen, and the response is, He is risen indeed. So I can't hear you, but I know you'll be saying it as I greet you this morning with those words, Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. Indeed He has, and uh, we celebrate that today. As uh, I welcome you this morning. I'm aware that we gather together from around Bundaberg, around the state, around Australia, and around the world. How fantastic is it that we can be connected together with one another in worship on this very special day. And it's not just us gathering like this today, but uh, thousands and thousands of Christians from all over the world today will sit around TVs and uh, devices and live streams catching uh, the good news of Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. So a special word of welcome to you. We would love to know where you're watching from. If you can uh, respond and write a comment in uh, in the feed, that would be fantastic. Hit the like button or the or one of the other response buttons. Let us know that you're there. Uh, let us know that you can hear and it's all going well. Um, like I say, it would be fantastic to hear where you're from and please feel free to make comments during the sermon. Uh, ask questions if you'd like to do that, and uh, we will get to them through the week. We'd love to catch up with you. We enjoy the interaction, and uh, it just makes us feel so much all uh, more a part of the service and connected together. So whether you're watching this live or whether you're watching it on, on Facebook later on or YouTube or any one of the other channels, we're on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify as well, um, even if just by plain old email, send us a mail, connect with us. We would love to be in touch with you. We'd love to engage with you and stay connected. Also, uh, this week we put on a video called Art for Your Heart. And uh, it's a video where Debbie speaks about Easter crosses. And uh, it's been phenomenal to see the Easter crosses that have been made by different people, again, from around Bundaberg, around the world, and have stuck them on their doors. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to YouTube, go back up the Facebook feed. You can watch it over there. Um, it's a great video speaking about why the cross on the door. And uh, these beautiful crosses are being made with, uh, with a hashtag Easter hope. And we'll speak a little bit more about that later on. So make a cross, send a, take a picture of it, send that picture to us, tag us in the church, uh, uh, tag the church's name in Instagram or Facebook, email it to us, or even just text it to me. It'd be good to catch up with you and, uh, and see those crosses that you've stuck on your doors. Today also we have a very special children's story for you and that'll go up on uh, the um, Facebook feed and on the, uh, on the YouTube channel uh, right, after, uh, right after the sermon. And uh, the children's story is actually a video done by my son Michael who has made the greatest Easter story told in Lego. It's a stop motion uh, Lego story for the children to enjoy. It's, uh, it was a painstaking work. Over 500 photographs were taken to, to make it. 
And I invite you to click on that and enjoy that video, particularly uh, for the little children. It works just as well for some of the big children too. And um, I would also just like to thank April who put a, a whole playlist of Easter hymns onto our Facebook feed. So if you've been missing the Easter hymns, and certainly I uh, feel a little bit strange this morning, not singing uh, Yours Be the Glory Risen Conquering Sun or Up From the Grave Here Rose or a whole host of, of other traditional Easter songs. Thanks, April, for uh, sourcing that and putting them on for us. Um, and uh, we appreciate that. Go along, have a look at it, have a listen and enjoy uh, the traditional Easter hymns sung beautifully to you. As we begin the service this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, let us open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice today in the wonder of your power and majesty. We rejoice in the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. We rejoice and praise you for this moment which we celebrate as Christians, not just now, but, but throughout the world, where countless people would gather to gather around their, their devices and in their homes to celebrate this special moment for us. And we thank you, Jesus Christ, that your resurrection transcends time and space, time zone and distances. Lord God, your resurrection is over all things. You are almighty and all-powerful. You have defeated sin and death for us. You have opened the kingdom to all who would seek your face. For the glory and the beauty of what we celebrate spiritually this day, all praise and honor goes to you, Lord God, our Savior and our King. We thank you, Lord, for the beauty of the sunrise that we have enjoyed, for the way it speaks of your majesty and power for the way that we know you are God over all things, creator, author of all things. We thank you, Lord, that you are God over death, God over the power of sin that thought it would, would control everything. But you have shattered that. You have broken its strength. You have opened the gates of hell. Lord God, we rejoice today in the forgiveness that we receive and in the way in which the kingdom which has been opened to us connects us with you in a direct and personal relationship. We thank you, Jesus, that all the horror of Friday that you underwent is replaced today by the beauty and wonder and the hope which springs eternal. We thank you for Easter hope, a hope, Lord, which can never be squashed by anything, a hope, Lord, that is for past, present, and future. We thank you, Lord God, for the beauty of this moment now, where we can know that hope in our lives. And we commit it to you. We commit the service to you. We commit our lives to you for your glory and for your honor. For we live in thanksgiving of what this day means to us. May your name be praised. Receive our grateful hearts in worship as together we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, this morning we are continuing to finish off the series, uh, Easter in a Time of Crisis. And today we see the beauty of what life can be like when it is lived in the hope of the resurrection, when it is lived in an Easter hope. Today we see what it means to have hope within our lives, a hope that cannot be squashed out, a hope that is not based on something fleeting or passing, but it is based on the eternal witness of Christ coming forth from the tomb, uniting us with God. Our readings today come from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 15, and then Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 14. Matthew 28, 1 to 15, Romans 6, verses 6 to 14. Matthew 28 is the resurrection account. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly to tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet. They worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say that his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then from Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 14. Paul writes, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, 
he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, on this special Easter morning, or whatever time you may be watching it, Lord, on this Easter day, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, to worship you and to be fed and nourished even as we are separate one from the other. You bind us together in your Holy Spirit. You connect us through the wonders of modern technology, and for that we praise you. And we ask, Lord God, that as we gather this morning to hear your words, our spirit may be tuned to your voice, that our souls may be connected with you, in such a way, Lord, that what we hear is only what you want us to hear. We pray, Holy Spirit, that it is your voice that speaks and your words that our ears pick up. We know that the message you have for us today is to challenge us and to change us and to transform us. And we, Lord, your children, desire to be faithful to that. So speak, Lord, we pray. Open our spirits. We are listening. Amen. I don't know how this society would have coped with the isolation and lockdown thing if it wasn't for the internet. I mean, imagine if we didn't have the internet. I'm old enough to remember a time where there wasn't internet and there wasn't any mobile phones. And right now, I know there's a whole generation people are going, what? No, that's impossible. Could never, ever have been so. But it's true. It's true. There was a time where there was no internet, no mobile phones. And uh, we, let me just say, we're that time right now we would be in severe trouble. We are very, very lucky. I mean, for one thing, we've got movies and TV series streaming into our homes on any number of different uh, devices. That alone is great. But the connectedness with others that we are enjoying while we are physically apart, man, that's just incredible. I mean, we've played games. We've had, uh, we've played games with people across the world. We've had conference calls and conversations with multiple family members and friends. 
at the same time. Some who live thousands of miles away and some who live just around the corner. And, and that's incredible. We've, we've played these games with multiple family members and, um, and that's so handy to do over the, over the phone because it's a real blessing when you're losing that you can just cut the call and say with a little text message afterwards, so sorry, I don't know what happened, must have dropped out, let's call the thing a draw. One of the other advantages of this connectedness is that people can share their sense of humor on a much wider scale. And just a day or two ago, I saw this really funny picture of Jesus rolling back the stone and about to come out of the tomb. But the police are standing there waiting, and they're waving their finger, and they're going, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's got to be 14 days. 14 days, not three. And even in my own home, the wit is getting quicker and sharper. I was looking at the backyard the other day and, and said to Michael, who was standing with me, we should really go and mow that lawn. And Michael said, uh, no, we have to leave it till after Easter because it'll be easier to hide all those Easter eggs. And I said to him, you know, you're pretty optimistic there, Mike. Uh, you're 16 years old. It's been quite some years since the Easter bunny has uh, been. And he looked at me with a smile and, uh, and said, hashtag Easter hope, Dad. Hashtag Easter hope. Practice what you preach, was what he said. You have to live in hope. And indeed, he's d <laughs> indeed, you do. I do have to practice what I preach, and we do have to live in hope. And he's right. In fact, I've said this Easter hope thing more than once in my family. We've got it stuck up outside our door. Like I said, uh, if you follow the Art for Your Heart video, you'll see what that's all about. Because Easter hope has really been the overarching theme since we entered into this unique time of crisis in our lives. And we've entered into this time right at the start of Easter. And although we wish this crisis had never happened, and although we wish a vaccine could come quickly and life could return back to normal, the crisis couldn't be more appropriately placed in the Christian calendar if you tried. Because Easter is all about hope. I said on Good Friday that we live in the hope of Sunday to come. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It is because of this day because of the resurrection, that we do live in that hope, or that we can live in that hope. Sunday has come. It is here. It is today. Easter hope. Jesus is resurrected. And not even a lockdown can keep him in the grave. Not even the police could keep him behind that stone. That tomb is empty. Death and sin are defeated. We have hope, and isn't that just what we need? At this time, we need to be living not in the crisis of Friday, but in the hope and the victory of Sunday. But here's, the, uh, here's where the idea of hope needs to be clarified a little bit. Because honestly, the word hope is sometimes thrown around in conversation, and not just in church circles, but even in ordinary conversations, the word gets used with little understanding of what it means or how it actually affects us. I mean, 
How do you live in hope? What do you do? Sunday's coming. Well, Sunday's here. Now what? What changes for us? What does this hope translate to in our lives? Here's what changes. Right at the outset, we have to quantify or qualify what we mean when we talk about hope. If you go back to the original Hebrew and Greek of the scriptures, there are two different words that get translated into English as hope. Two different concepts that get translated into English as hope. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the origin and the details of those words for two reasons. Firstly, because we all have some chocolate Easter eggs that are waiting to be munched. But secondly, probably more truthfully, because I actually, (laughs) to tell you the honest truth, couldn't pronounce those Greek and Hebrew words anyway. Greek and Hebrew were never my best subjects in theological college. I did far better in the learning areas of table tennis and coffee. So you can look them up later if you want. The internet's a wonderful thing. But there are these two concepts or two definitions that get translated into Scripture by the same word, hope. And the first is the first concept is a feeling or desire or a yearning or an expectation that something you want to happen will happen. Something you desire will come to be. This is the Good Friday hope, the longing and the waiting and the wanting. This is the type of hope that we actually talk about most often in our ordinary everyday conversations. The type of hope that even people with no Christian connection will speak of. They'll say, I hope it doesn't rain today, or I hope that it does rain today. I hope that they find a vaccine soon. I hope that I'll get lots of Easter eggs. Hope can be an expression of what we want to happen, which may or may not come true. There's no real assurance of getting what we desire. But the second meaning of hope, is quite different. It's an indication of certainty. And this is the one that is most often used in Scripture. It's a strong and confident expectation that deals with the things that we cannot see. The things that we cannot see, but yet we are assured of. Yet we know to be true. This kind of hope is a state of mind. It is a belief. It is a trust that is deeply interconnected with the concept of faith. Which is why in books like Jeremiah, in chapter 14, we read the people saying, Our hope is in you. It is in you. Not in some event that they want to happen or think may be going to happen, but a hope that is in the knowledge that God is true to his covenant, that God will be there, that God will deliver them. This they know, and they live in that knowledge. They live in the hope, in that hope with certainty. When I spoke in last week's sermon of my neck operation, or two weeks before that of the little boy who had to have his appendix out, He and I both went into those operating theatres full of hope. 
Not the first hope where we wished that everything would just magically be okay, but a far deeper hope of knowing that whatever happens, God is there. God is there. God is with us. We will be fine, even if the operation doesn't go well. Because if we live with a sense of knowing, because we do live with the sense of knowing that God is already victorious. He has already won. He's defeated everything. If you were sitting in front of me right now, I would, we would have a little bit of interaction. I would say to you, do you know what I mean? And I hope you would go, yes, I know what you mean. We live in the hope knowing that God is already victorious. In fact, it's this very difference between the two hopes that actually makes Michael's joke funny because he's talking about the first hope but knows that when I'm saying Easter hope, it's about something far deeper, not just a desire for something but a deeply rooted knowledge that is certain and without doubt that Good Friday is gone and Easter Sunday has come. One of my favorite movies, The Shawshank Redemption, this difference is explored deeply throughout the, throughout the film, throughout the story. It is the story of two main characters, both under life sentence behind bars. They are living out their days in Shawshank prison, using the same word, hope, but for two very different concepts. Morgan Freeman, or his character's name is, is Red. Red speaks about hope in the first definition. Desiring something, getting out of prison, smelling the roses, being, being free and, and all the rest of it. His, his hope is the first hope. Desiring something that may not come, that probably won't come. And Tim Robbins, who plays Andy. Andy speaks of hope as a state of mind, as a sense of, of trust, of certainty, of a sense of knowing that the victory will be there. There is no doubt the victory will come. The certain knowledge that things will work out in the end. And in one of the best scenes in the whole film, Andy returns to lunch from uh, after spending two weeks in solitary confinement for playing a music record over the prison loudspeaker system. And Red, sitting in the table opposite him, says to Andy, he says, it must have been a tough two weeks. And Andy says, easiest time I've ever done. Not at all. Easiest time I've ever done. Surprised greetings lead him to explain. And he says, well, I had the music to keep me company. I had the music playing in my head. And Red says, getting a little bit angry and and irritated, he says, what are you talking about? And Andy replies, he says, Red, there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone. That there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch, that is yours. <clears throat> and Red, even more angry, points his spoon at him and says, what do you mean? And Andy says, hope, Red. I'm talking about hope. And Red, thinking of the first definition of hope, says, now you listen to me. He says, hope is a dangerous thing. It is of no use on the inside. 
makes no sense. It'll drive a man insane. And Andy replies, he says, no, Red, here's where it makes the most sense. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and it doesn't die. This is the hope of Easter Sunday. Not a a wishy-washy dreaming of, of what we may want, but a living in the certainty of what we know, a strong and confident expectation, not only of, of what is to come, but what is already here because of this day that cannot be taken away, cannot be reached, no matter what. That is the hope of Easter Sunday. And it has already been given to us on this day, in this moment. By the way, a quick disclaimer that the Shawshank Redemption is not a kids or a family movie. It's a very realistic prison movie and the age restriction is there for a reason. It's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant, but uh, it is realistic and I probably should have pointed that out earlier on. But what does all of this have to do with Easter Sunday and living in hope? Well, it comes down to this. That Easter Sunday is the day that the first definition of hope changes into the second one. It's the day when the dreams we have of good winning over evil, the dreams we have of death being without power, the the wanting very much of the, the end of injustice, of the wicked always seemingly winning and the righteous not, the dreams of, of healing and, and optimism <clears throat> and joy, even in the middle of difficult circumstance, this is the day when those wishy-washy dreams change to the certainty of a deeply rooted conviction from which we cannot be shifted. Listen again to the Romans reading. But this time, I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's translation or interpretation called The Message. Listen to how beautifully he puts it. I'll drop a link to this uh, reading in the comment section after the sermon. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal to the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on his every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. 
throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You are living in the freedom of God. How wonderful is that? How amazing is that? That's what it means to live in hope. When we said on Friday that that Sunday is coming, this is what we meant, that we have hope, concrete, unshiftable hope, not a wishy-washy dream, but a hope that is there because we have the victory, because death is defeated, and it is defeated because Christ is alive and is with us now. Having nailed our, as Peterson says, sin miserable life to the cross and bringing God down to us. Hashtag Easter hope. And very briefly, that plays itself out in three ways. Firstly, it plays itself out in a hope for the past. The hope, the certain knowledge that death has been defeated, not just for you and for me, but for everyone, for all who would believe. One of the best lines in the whole resurrection account comes in Luke, where the angel says to the woman, why are you looking for the living among the dead? What are you looking in here for? Don't you know that this place holds nothing? Not only does it not hold a body, it doesn't hold any power. It doesn't generate any fear. The tomb itself is the only thing that is dead now. Why do you look for the living among the dead? On every normal Easter Sunday here in Bundaberg, we have buckets and buckets of roses in, uh, in, in front of the church. And it's a tradition that I, I picked up from my predecessor and good friend in Durban, uh, Reverend Peter Butterworth, and I loved it so much that I've done it with my congregations ever since I moved there. And we have no flowers in Lent usually. We just have greenery in the front of the church. But on Easter Sunday, the congregation each come up and they take a rose or two from those buckets to represent their loved ones who are no longer with us. They represent lives of, of precious people who have, who have passed on. And we take those roses and we decorate the front of the church. We, we recolor the church from ordinary green to the most beautiful display of color and life. And it's a visual representation for us of Easter Sunday. That this ugly thing called death has given way to the beauty of life. Lives lived and lives no longer here, but still lives and lives that see the face of Jesus and they can see and they can believe. How beautiful, how beautiful is that? We're missing that part of the service today. But I encourage you, after we've finished, go outside and, and pick a flower or or pick one from your neighbor's garden if they're not looking. Or draw one. Whatever. Put some color somewhere. Let it remind you that we have a hope for the past. 
the certainty that death means nothing to God. And since Jesus brings God down to us, well, death can mean nothing to us too. Means nothing. In a timeless Easter hymn, the words are written, Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the, of the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Eugene Peterson says, we know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death is the end. Never again will death have the last word. Never again will it have the last word. John Donne in his famous poem says, Death be not proud, though some have called you mighty and dreadful, but you are not so. You are not so. Hope for the past. But this understanding also plays itself out in hope for the future. To live in an Easter hope is to know that the power of sin has been defeated. I love the plain and simple way that Eugene paraphrases this part. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, then we will also get included in his life-saving resurrection. And wow, do we ever know how sin-miserable life can get. But there is hope. As we look to the future, we don't have to be sin-watching and, and, and running off and begging for forgiveness every two seconds of the day. We have been forgiven. This day, this Easter Sunday means that we live in the power of forgiveness and the power of the resurrection. It is the, the, the empty tomb, the resurrection of Christ that takes away sin's power. We live in the hope of a life that knows that it is not a slave to sin any longer. I love the story that's told of a young, overzealous evangelist who was working the airport lounges uh, with his Bible, trying to harass and, and scare people into, uh, into salvation. And don't get me wrong, sharing the love of Jesus is a wonderful and very important thing to do. But not if you're going to throw a Bible at somebody and try and scare them and, and ultimately do more damage than good, which is what was happening here. There was this uh, elderly black gentleman who was sleeping on one of the chairs. And the young man carrying his Bible came over to this man and shook him by the leg to try and wake him up. And he said, hey, mister, are you saved? And the old man sort of woke up and uh, tried to figure out what was going on. And, and the young man said, hey, are you saved? And the old man said sleepily, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think so. And the young man responded, well, that's not good enough. When were you saved? And the old man scratched his head and said, well, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. It was, it was somewhere around 2,000 years ago. 
And that is good theology. That is great theology. Sin is dealt with. It has no power. If we are included in his death, we are included in his life-saving resurrection. Hope for the future. But lastly, and probably most importantly, this understanding of hope plays itself out in hope for the present. A changed way in how we live life here and now. I love this one line in Matthew's account of the resurrection. It's almost just a a throwaway line that you could easily miss. But it says, So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Afraid, yet filled with joy. That's beautiful because it speaks exactly of the very nature of what it means to live in hope. They were afraid because they had just seen angels. They faced a very different day to the one that they thought that they were going to have. Instead of grieving and crying and anointing a corpse, they're running to tell the disciples that they've seen angels and that Jesus is alive. Life had, in the blink of an eye, completely changed. Everything, everything that they knew was now different. They were not sure of what they were meant to be doing, not sure of what's happening, not sure of what will be coming next. Does that sound familiar? But they are full of joy. Full of joy. Why? Because Jesus is alive, and that is enough. Whatever happens, it'll be okay because Jesus is alive, and that is enough. It doesn't matter what else the day holds, how well things will turn out for them. They have hope because Jesus is alive, and that is enough. All will be well. His presence will always be enough. They have joy. They have hope, and it's the real, assuring, certain hope. It's the same hope that you and I have today, and for the same reason. Jesus is alive, and that is enough. His presence is with us. Nothing, not difficulty, not hardship, not pain, not grief, not coronavirus, and not even death. Nothing takes us away from that presence. And that, my friends, is what hope is. It transforms the very way we live. It changes how we interact day to day. Like those women, we may not have all the answers, but the presence of Jesus in our lives is enough. And it changes everything. We can face anything. We can remain positive through anything. We can rest in the strength of of Jesus as we go through anything. Because we live in a hope that says when he died, he took down sin with him. He took down the power of death with him. And he has brought God down to us. So if you don't know that kind of hope, my friends, a hope that transforms the way we live, a hope that is certain beyond anything the world can throw at us, a hope that is for the past, for the future, and for the present, If you want that kind of hope, this is what today is all about.
an invitation to connect with Jesus, to thank him for this resurrection and the, and the hope that it brings, and a desire to, to have him transform your life to a life, as, as Peterson says, not lived under any old tyranny, but a life lived in the freedom of God. I doubt you would need a spoiler alert for a movie that's over 25 years old. But I won't tell you how, but I will say this. That Morgan Freeman comes to a new understanding of hope and says this towards the end of the movie. And it's a line, interestingly enough, that can apply to you and to me today as we look to live in hope, in real hope. And he narrates Red, and, and Red says this. He says, I find I am so excited. I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think that it's the excitement that only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope, I hope, I hope. May you know the beauty and the freedom and the excitement of living in hope, of living in Easter hope. Amen. Let us spend a bit of time in prayer. And as you think of, of your life and you hear the invitation of Christ to live in that hope, this is a prayer that, that connects you with him. And feel free to pray it in your, in your hearts or even out aloud if you're at home or whatever you feel comfortable with. But it's an invitation to live in hope and to be transformed. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you once again for the beauty of, of Easter hope. A hope, Lord, that transforms our lives. A hope in which we can live in certainty. A hope, Lord, that is not just about a, a wishy-washy dream of our own selfish desires, but rather a, a connection with you that cannot be broken. A connection, Lord, which says Jesus is alive and that is enough. A connection that brings you to us. And today, Lord, we hear your invitation to live in that transforming Easter hope. And we take up that invitation. We answer it with joy in our hearts and, and say that it's just like that quote, Lord, we, we want to be people who live free. People who are excited and, and at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain are excited to the point we, we can barely sit still. For what you offer us, Lord, is a life that is different to what we've ever imagined. Transformed and beautiful. So come, Jesus, and connect with us. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the hope. We want you to transform our lives. That we'll live in that hope, past, future, and present. We may live in, as Peterson says, out from under the old tyranny and rather into the freedom 
of God. Amen. There's one other quote in the, that movie. It's just absolutely beautiful. When Red and, and, uh, and Andy are, are arguing about hope and the merits of it, whether living in it is good or living in it isn't bad. And Andy ends the argument by looking at Red and says, I guess it comes down to a choice between two things, get busy living or get busy dying. Well, to live in hope is to get busy living. And I pray that each of us will find in, uh, in this Easter message this great sense <clears throat> of a transformed life that we get busy living. Amen. As we come towards the end of the service, part of every worship service is to uh, to pray for others, to bring to God our prayers of intercession, and also to dedicate uh, our gifts and our offerings to God and, and seek for Him to bless them as He uses them to continue His work to uh, to bring others into that transforming hope. Let us pray. Lord God, as we hear your words to us this morning, we want to pray for those who do not know your transforming hope, who do not know Easter hope in their lives. We pray for those with whom we are in contact, that they may see in our lives the beauty of Easter hope, that they may find you within each of us, and that you may use us to, to bring them into a knowledge of, of your desire to to bring them hope. We pray, Lord, for those who are struggling this day, for whom this day is not an enjoyable day at all, for those who are lonely and, and miss loved ones, for those who are ill and suffering. We think particularly, Lord, of, of those uh, affected by the coronavirus and the doctors and nurses who are, are risking their own lives to to, to, to be your agents of healing for them. We pray for all of them today. For the scientists working on a vaccine, grant them wisdom and direction. For government leaders as they seek to do the best for all people and, and balance the, the health and economy and so many things that they've got to juggle. May today be a peaceful day for them. We pray, Lord God, for our own needs, those things which aren't shared with anybody else, but you know them, whether it be people or relationships or, or worries or concerns or whatever it is. We lift those to you. We pray for those, Lord, who in this isolation are also trapped in the, in the threat of domestic violence. And pray your hand over those situations. All these prayers we lift to you. And then, Lord, we also bring to you our gifts and our offerings. Many have been placed directly into the account through online giving. Many have been brought into the office. And we thank you, Lord, for faithfulness of people. And we want you to know that these gifts are the way in which we worship you not just with 
our voices, but with everything that we own. It is all to honor you, Lord God. Take them as an expression of our love and use them to build your work in ministering to others and transforming their lives through Easter hope. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Friends, just as I close, just to thank the many of you who are continuing to worship God faithfully through your gifts, uh, as I've just prayed, thank you for those who have done online giving and, and those who are dropping it into the office. And we've had, um, it's a wonderful privilege to be able to give to God, and I thank you for your faithfulness in doing that. It helps us as a church to continue to minister. I also want to thank those from an international, uh, from other countries who have inquired and about possibly contributing as well. We're working on that. We're setting up a, a site so that uh, you can give from anywhere in the world and that'll be online soon. And, and thank you for the interest you've expressed in doing that and in, in supporting that ministry. It's truly appreciated. Um, friends, and also just lastly, um, to say as you, as you give those offerings, if you could just mark them city offering and put them in, you can leave your name out, that's fine. But I would lastly just want to thank a couple of people who over this Easter period and particularly since we've gone into, uh, to the, to the shutdowns and the, and the isolation have really just jumped in and made sure that these services could happen. It started off at a frenetic pace and, uh, there's a lot of talk about flattening the curve, but I want to tell you the curve of my learning has gone skyrocketed over this time. And so, I just want to thank, uh, over this Easter period, Debbie and my family who are exceptionally patient and who not only offer me their love and their support, but are great sounding boards. They get involved. They throw themselves headlong into the ministry. And it really is a family ministry. So for Debbie, Michael, Kira and Tammy, I just, uh, I thank them and I, I honor them. In, uh, you just see one person in front of the camera, but, but without them, it could never happen. I also want to thank Vanessa, our office administrator, who, who doesn't just go the extra mile, but goes the extra 21 extra miles. And, uh, Ray Nutley, who's always, um, an extra hand, always willing to jump in and do anything and help wherever he can. He's, uh, my predecessor here at the church, and it's an absolute blessing, uh, to have him. No job is too big or too small. Um, David Shipton, who's offered help with uh, uh, camera equipment, and he, he is from the camera house and a freelance photographer here in Bundaberg and has been very free with information and, and lending me things, and that's been helpful. And, uh, and also to, to April, who did the initial setup work of our, of our website. And then also to two very special people without whom none of this would be happening, and that is Elise and Matthew. You don't ever see them. Elise is behind the computer most days. She uh, heads up the, the uh, social media section of our ministry here, which is phenomenal. And, uh, and Matthew, who has just worked tirelessly behind the scenes, doing more things than I could ever imagine, blown my mind completely with ideas and things. And uh, I'll say this to you, that however you're watching this today, it is because of what Matthew has done and worked at behind the scenes. So thank you very much, Matthew, for uh, your hard work. And, and lastly, I want to thank the Bundy congregation for their love and their support, 
for their prayers and for their encouragement. It has been a difficult time for us as a church as we, we went into, into shutdown really with no warning. And uh, this congregation have been amazing in the messages, in the support, as I say, uh, in so many different ways. And I just want to acknowledge them and thank them for that. And thank you to each of you who are watching this. Thank you for watching. Thank you for interacting. Thank you for signing on. Uh, please carry on doing so. We're going to continue ministering like this for quite some time and possibly uh, ongoing. So keep tuning in. Keep connecting. We love engaging and interacting with you. It's awesome to be uh, ministering in this way. So may God bless you on this Easter Sunday. Hashtag Easter hope. And may you know the power of that transforming hope in your life. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and those whom you love this day and forevermore. Amen.